My, it's good to be in the Lord's house. It's cool and cold outside, and it was 36 when we got here. I don't know whether it's going up and down or not, but we'll not hold you long and get a chance to get home and get out of this wet weather. But I'd like for us to look for a little while tonight uh, over in the book of John. From a while back on a Wednesday night, we started a a message and got about halfway through it and I said well maybe there'll be a time that we can finish it up and I prayed and I've studied and I've fasted this few days of this week since I've learned about I would be here tonight for this purpose and I feel like tonight would be a good time to finish it up we want to talk about the purpose of the Holy Ghost in this present day that we live in you know, this is a mighty, if you listen to any TV preaching, very little bit do I. If I do, it's usually because I'm hunting something else. And it's, I don't know, I can't understand why that there's so much confusion about the Holy Ghost in the churches. Some say, in fact, I, I heard a fellow some while back on TV uh, let me get the two mixed up. No, this fellow was on the, no, it wasn't. He was on the TV program. There's two that I'm thinking of that I had uh, seen in passing by. And he was talking about people claiming to know and experience this Holy Ghost. And he went on to make a bold statement. I don't know how he's going to stand when he gets before the Almighty God. But he said this tongue-talking bunch of Holy Ghost people said they come out of hell, they're going there, and we'll get rid of them. I've got some news for me. The Holy Ghost is the third person in the Trinity of God. Amen. He come from heaven. He's still there. He dwells within us. And he'll be there when all else is said and done. Amen. We need him this present day that we're living. We need him in our services. He was at the beginning when that the world was in chaos and he hovered over the waters and the things came into being, came into proper perspective again and he'll be here when the tribulation takes place because the Bible tells us that there is a number John said I saw couldn't even number them uh, that come up out of great tribulation said they had their robes washed in the white and the blood and they're just white overcome by their testimony and by the blood of the lamb how did they get saved Bible tells me unless the Father draws them or calls them, they can't be saved. Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Ghost back to convict them. Amen. Right? If he don't convict them, they're not going to be saved. So tonight, we want to look at some uh, good things about the Holy Ghost, his workings in the church, and how that we've seen so much of it then when I say of it, I'm speaking of the works, not of him, but of his works here in the church or here of late especially, until I don't see how anybody could deny the working to the Holy Ghost. But over in the book of John, 14th chapter, we want to go down and read a few verses. And uh, verse number 15, I think, is where we want to start, and we'll move on from there. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now look at this closely. There's a commandment here to do. Then he gives us a responsibility. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you just love me, that's all that counts. Then notice he pronounces a blessing. 
If you love me and you keep my commandments, then he said, I'm going and pray the Father. I'm going to talk. I'm going to ask him. And we're going to gather up at, as a team and we're going to agree on this thing. And he shall give you another comforter. What is this another? One likened unto himself. One likened unto himself. He could not be here forever. He had a commitment at the cross. But when the Holy Ghost came, he said that he may remain with you forever or abide with you forever. Now notice as we look a little bit further, another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Now who is this comforter? Bible said, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwells with you. Now notice he's speaking to the disciples and shall be in you. He's not an outside force that comes around once in a while to influence us, but he is one and God's people dwells within us. Yes, if we have the Spirit of God dwelling within us when we're saved, and no doubt about it. But there is an experience that happened on the day of Pentecost, and the Scripture tells us, some say, well, that died with the disciples or the apostles, but we're still the disciples of Christ, and He's still real. But I find where it said, Peter standing and preaching and declaring unto them, what's this all about? Who can have a part in this? Who is he talking about? What's going on? He said, this is to you, said Joel prophesied it, to your children, your children's children, the Jews. Then he said, this is for as many as shall call upon the name of the Lord. Aren't you glad we're among that number? We're going to stop right there and pray and ask God to touch us, anoint us, give us a special anointing tonight that we'll be able to say something that'll help you and encourage you in your walk with the Lord. Heavenly Father, we look to you now, God, because we realize we're nothing without you. Lord, we'd just be a dry shell trying to speak our own thoughts. But Lord, with the anointing of the Holy Ghost, you can use us as an instrument, Lord, to help somebody, oh God, to be saved, to accept, Lord, and to be lifted up in this service tonight. Lord, we're depending upon you. Open every heart, Lord. Open my heart that I can receive from you, Lord, what you'd have me to say. In Christ Jesus' name, we pray and we ask these favors tonight. Amen and amen. Let's look to this for a little bit tonight. We started, and let's just give you a little kind of overview of what we covered, and then we'll get in uh, to where we left off last time. We noticed that there is a purpose in the Holy Ghost being with us. In fact, he is so important until when Jesus uh, carried his disciples out to the mountaintop and he had ascended up into heaven, he left a commandment to them. He did not say, if you want to, he didn't say it'd be a good thing for you to go try it, but no, he said, I want you to go back and to Jerusalem and don't depart. In other words, stay there until you be endued with power from on high. 
My, now did they get this when they were saved? If they did, they wouldn't have had to went back to Jerusalem because they were saved several years earlier. But this was a new experience that they had never experienced before. Man had been touched by the Holy Ghost. He had come upon men. Go back to the Old Testament. You'll find, I guess, one that's preached about so much, Samson, the great man of great strength. There was times when the Spirit would come upon him and he would do great exploits. But church, it was only at times because he would go out, shake himself, and the Spirit would come upon him. The prophets, the Spirit would come upon them and they would prophesy. The disciples, Christ blessed them and sent them out for a certain time, for a certain experience, for a certain uh, 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 trial or a certain thing that they had to face. But when they came back, they had to be touched and sent again. But when we look at the day of Pentecost, looking back to the first chapter in the eighth verse, here is a different area coming in, a different stage in life and spirituality, because we find that the Lord said that you shall have power when after. Notice now that word after didn't say you've already got this kind of power. They had power with God, yes. They had power with Christ, yes. But here is something different. Here is a deeper experience than they had known before. He said, you shall have power after that the Holy Ghost shall come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the uttermost parts of the earth. So we find that the Holy Ghost was needed in that day. They were not allowed to go out and preach one sermon. They were not allowed to go out and pray for one individual, nor to teach one lesson. But he said, you tarry there until you be endued with power from on high. Well, did they receive this power. The Bible tells us that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were there in one place. They were in one accord and they heard a sound as a mighty rushing wind and it came and filled the whole house where they were staying there. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and set upon each of them. And notice now what began to happen. The Bible tells us that a thing happened they had never experienced before, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, what was the purpose of this? We find that when Peter stood and began to preach and declare this gospel and to describe what this was, there were men there from all the nations round about, and they began to question, what is this? Are not all these Galileans? But yet we hear every man in our own language. My, what's it all about? Here is something that had never happened before, but it was real in that day, and the anointing brought in thousands of people that when they heard and saw these things and said, what's the meaning of this? What is happening and what's going on? There were thousands that were brought in and saved there just in a short while. Then some say today, well, this speaking in tongue things, you know, oh, what is this for? Well, one reason is this. The Bible said that it is a sign unto the unbelievers. Now, the Bible says that. It is a sign to the unbelievers. 
What's it saying? It said for people, it's simply saying this, for people that don't understand it, for people that don't believe it's real, they see it, they hear it, they know there's something about it that's real. There's something about it that's real. It's needed in the church today. Unless that we have the Spirit of God working in our churches, it's nothing more than a dry little meeting to get together for fellowship and we all go home. People looking around, I was reading, and some of you probably saw in the evangel, the little thing about so many churches closing up on Sunday nights. Well, the Bible gives the exact reason for that. It gives the exact reason. Now then, what does the Bible say about it? Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Then what is that telling us? That's telling us that Jesus is not being lifted up and people are going to find a place where he is. And where Jesus is, there's a spiritual being, there's a spiritual connection that men, women, boys and girls can get with God. And men and women are hungry for a place where God's spirit can be and will be felt by the individuals. So let's get on into kind of where we were at uh, uh, when we stopped off on this. Um, we find it in this t- uh, time that we were uh, talking about and teaching last time. We talked about uh, there was a gift to believers. Can be, cannot be bought nor sold, uh, but it is a believer's gift given unto individuals. Uh, we want to notice now uh, when the Simon the sorcerer came and Simon Peter was preaching and teaching. They were laying their hands on the people and they were receiving the Holy Ghost. Let's notice something here. A great misunderstanding that Simon the sorcerer had. Notice what he said. He said, listen, I want this. I want this gift that you've got that whomsoever, notice that word of whomsoever that I lay my hands on, that they're going to receive this gift. Well, there's several things he misunderstood here. Peter did not have the authority nor the power to give anybody any kind of a gift. The Holy Ghost comes from God. Jesus said, I'll pray the Father, he'll send the Holy Ghost. On the day of Pentecost, no one came in and said, now you're going to receive the Holy Ghost. Let me touch you. God can use an instrument to through them to be touched, but whoever, whatever, and however it happens, it comes from God Almighty. That's the only place the Holy Ghost comes from. Men cannot give it. Men, men can possess it, but they can't give it. Notice something else that was a misunderstanding with Simon the sorcerer. He said that whosoever that I put my hands on, whosoever don't have the Holy Ghost. Simon said, notice this, he's, he's leaping everybody in one big old pile. He's saying, give me that power so I can go out here and if I find a sorcerer somewhere, I can lay a hand on him and say, hey, you're going to have the Holy Ghost. No, it don't work that way. God has a condition and God has certain limits that he places out for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. On the day of Pentecost, what was said? What must we do? First of all, he said, you've got to repent. Why? Why? Because the Holy Ghost will not dwell in an unclean temple. 
Bible said, don't you know your body is a temple of God? And the Holy Ghost won't abide in an unclean temple. Now, let's, let's just stop here for just a minute, you know. I, I'm not a hard person, but I just believe what the Word says. Amen. The Bible tells us concerning the individual, cleanse yourself from all filthiness of the flesh. Now, the, does the Bible say that, or, or did I read it wrong? It says that, don't it? All right. Then God's got a part, and we've got a part. I've heard people talk about drinking and smoking. Oh, God might tell you, take this. God don't want it. God didn't give it to you. God would give us grace, but he expects us to do some things. He'll not go home, and if you've got a pint sitting up in the cabinet, I guarantee you, you get saved and go home, it'll still be sitting there. God's not going to go out there and pour it out. God will give you grace to resist it. God will give you grace to overcome it. But there's some things we've got to do ourselves. He said, you cleanse yourself. You do it. You clean yourself up. I'll give you the grace. I'll take the sin away. But you've got to clean this old body up. You control who goes in it and what don't go in it. Oh, yes. You see, I don't, I don't get up on every morning and I say, now, God, if you'll make me a pot of coffee and bring it in here and if you'll let me sip it, I'll sit back in this chair and I'll enjoy it. No, he grew the coffee, but I got to make it. And it's up to me if I put cream in it or I don't. And I can drink it or I can leave it. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying we control what goes in this body. That's right. We control it. God don't make us do it. Neither does he make us quit it. But he'll give us grace if we will, if we desire to. So then we see that there are, there are some conditions under which man must be in order to receive this great spirit of God, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Peter gave it out. He said, first of all, said you've got to repent, be baptized. Now, you'll go a little bit further. Uh, we don't have time tonight to cover it all, but I still believe, we still believe, and the Bible teaches us in old time sanctification. Anybody remember what that is? Am I doing all right? You don't hear that much anymore. But the Bible tells us that Jesus suffered without the gate for what? Our sanctification. Sanctified himself so we could be sanctified. What's that talking about? That's talking about being set aside for God to use as he see fits to use and keeping this vessel pure so God can use it. It's not a hard thing. It's not some booger that somebody got up. It's just good, plain sense and common sense living is what it's all about. So let's notice now, as we kind of tie in now uh, to where that we left off last time, and uh, we're going to get through here in just a little bit. We find now, how is he so important in the church? We've talked about individuals receiving him. Individuals are the church. When we come in, we bring God with us. When we leave, we take him with us. 
He may stay here sometime. I don't know whether he's in here when we're gone or not. That's up to me. I don't care one way or another. But I do know this. Uh, he don't dwell in buildings. He don't dwell in, t in tents. And he don't dwell in tabernacles anymore. But he dwells in people. He dwells in the souls of people. So then, when we come in as the church and we come in to worship, the Bible teaches us that he desires us to worship him in spirit. Notice now, in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. You take the spirit out, you don't have much left. I remember, some of you remember Brother Donnie and Lula Sanders. Uh, they traveled for many years in children's ministry. Lord help me. <laughs> he, he said they were preaching at a church one time and said that it, was just, that it was just so dry till you, you just couldn't hardly talk in it. And said that uh, he'd come in one day in the, early and the fellow was cleaning up a little bit. And uh, he mentioned something about, you know, we may get a little far to go on after a while. He said, that'd be good, I guess. He said, the most action we've had in this church in years. said, I was cleaning up one day and there's a bug fell off the table. said, I believe everybody liked to shout it. said, that's the most action we've had here in years. Church, God don't want us to come into a dead church, listen to a dead sermon, be dried up and go home and know better than we was when we got there. God wants us to get something when we get there we can take home with us and help us when we wake up in the morning. What can do that? That precious Holy Ghost. We don't leave him in the church. We don't leave him. We take him home with us. Oh, now let's notice now as we go a little bit further. The Bible tells us now, in 1 John 4 and 13, talk about dwelling in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and him in us by the spirit which he has given us. Oh, yes. Given us. Notice now. We can, we must, and I believe God expects us to be filled with his spirit. Let's go on a little bit further here. The Bible tells us now uh, that he is a filling. He is a overflowing. He is a refreshing presence. Jesus, in speaking of the spirit, said this. He told the disciples, he is with you but he shall be in you. And said this, he spake of the Spirit, for as of yet, Holy Ghost hadn't come. He hadn't been given, not in the infilling or indwelling experience that he was talking about. Ephesians said, at 5 and 18, he said, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now notice this, filled there's an indication there that people can have a touch or a knowledge of the Spirit, but not be filled with it. There's a one baptism, but there's a lot of fillings. You find with the, in the Scripture at one time when they were gathered together and they were praying and the Holy Ghost filled the house and they were all begin to praise and glorify God and went out begin to preach and teach and magnify him. Now, notice in Romans 14, 17, he said, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. My, my, church, what a joy to know that when I lay down at night, 
My Lord, uh, I've heard people say, and, and they, they meant well, they said, you know, I'm afraid to go to bed at night. Said, you know, you go to sleep, you don't know what the devil's going to do. I don't know what he's going to do, but I know who lives within me. I know there's a bloodline there and he can't get across it. And I know that ye are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And I know when I lay down and go to sleep at night, that same Holy Ghost that was there before I went to sleep will be there while I sleep and he'll be there when I wake up in the morning. He don't jump in and out, up and down and round and about. But church, if we live good, keep that temple clean, he will abide there. Abide means to stay there, to stay there. Let's look a little bit further now uh, as we go along. He's a refreshing. Isaiah said in 28 and, and 11 and 12, prophesying the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. So we stamp and limp, and notice this now, with another tongue. Now notice what it said, another, which means a speech that is not our own. Another tongue. What did it say in the, in, at the day of Pentecost? They begin to speak with other tongues, with tongues. You know what's it talking about? It's simply saying this, as the Spirit give the utterance, it's saying it is not of our own will, it is not of our own doings, but when the Holy Ghost witnesses, it is a moving of God. It is a moving of God and nothing short of a supernatural taking place. Now he said hereby, said this causes the weary to rest and to be refreshed. Now we want to notice here, I've already touched on this a little bit. But he'll not abide where there's sinful and disobedience and rebellion. Now, we want to notice the change in an individual. Let's look at Saul for just a moment. Saul was a religious man, there's no doubt about it. When you read where he gave his qualifications, he was a Jew, he was a tribe of Benjamin, he was a Pharisee of the strictest sect of the law. He kept it right to the letter. He studied at the feet of the great teacher, Gamaliel, and he was at the top of the list when it comes to the law keeping. And now notice what begins to happen though. Grace comes in. Jesus steps in and says, now if you go back to the law, you've fallen from grace. Paul couldn't handle that, or Saul couldn't handle that. What did he do? He set about to stamp out this new religion that's coming along. He come along to stamp this out. I get rid of that. I was raised under the law. I believe in the law. I'm going to live under the law, and I'm going to get rid of this. The Bible said that he went into all the synagogues, dragging the people out, having them put in jail, having some of them killed, causing some to blaspheme, even went into strange places, places that he didn't have authority to go, but he went anyhow. It didn't matter. Didn't matter. All he wanted to do is get rid of these people that was off this way, off this way. But now notice now, he thought he was doing God a service. I'm keeping the law. Moses said it, and that's right. But the Bible said concerning Jesus, a greater than Moses is here now. 
Moses is dead. Now listen to what I'm saying when we talk about, if I hope nobody here wants to go back under the law, but Moses is dead. He was buried. Nobody even knows where his grave is. But Jesus, that fulfilled the law, we know where his tomb is, but we know also that he walked out of that tomb and conquered death, so I'm going to follow him. Amen. He took the laws and fulfilled them. I'm no longer under the laws. Saul, if you're going to do anything to serve God, you've got to change your ways. Notice now, Stephen brought him out. Paul thought, or Saul thought, now I'm, I'm doing everything just right. Preached his message. They grabbed up their stones, took their coats off, and here's Saul. Saul's a Roman. Saul could have stopped it. Nothing they could have done about it. One word, that'd have been over with. But the Bible said he was consenting, or he was allowing it. Watched it go on. Let it go. Get rid of him. But church, time of time, this same Saul struck down. He's down at Judas's house, down at Straight Street. God's talking to Ananias. He's saying, Ananias, I want you to go over there to, uh, to Judas's house. Saul's over there. Oh, Lord. I know, I know about him. He's persecuted people. He's done everything he can. He's an evil individual. Now listen, Ananias. He's a changed man. He's been over three days praying. He's blind. I'm showing him what things he must suffer for my sake. Now, Saul, you're sitting over there blind. You're sitting over there. You're in Edomite in three days. You've been praying three days and nights. What's going on? I don't know. I'm just waiting on God to do whatever he's going to do with me. I don't know what to do. I don't know which way to turn. All I do, I'm just sitting here. Go over there, Ananias, and put your hands on him. Just go over and touch him. He's going to receive the Holy Ghost. His eyes are going to open up, and I'm going to use that man. The Bible said Ananias went over there. Brother Saul, the Lord sent me over here. Told him what it was about. Touched him. He received the Holy Ghost. The scales fell off of his eyes. He rose up there, and instead of going to persecute the saints of God, he began to hunt up the disciples and join up with them to preach the gospel of Jesus. Let me tell you, church, when we clean these old bodies up, get them spirit-filled, God can use us for his glory and for his honor. He'll make a new person out of us. There's no two or three ways about it. He'll make a new person out of it. Saul, you're the one you persecuted, yes, but that same Jesus I persecuted, now I'm preaching, I'm teaching, I'm telling people he's the light of the world. I'm telling people that I'm determined to know nothing among them but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Church, we need Holy Ghost-filled men and women in this present day if they want to make a difference in the world to get out out here, get a hold of God, get the fullness of God, and God can use them for great and mighty things to take place. But first, there's got to be a spirit in there that's able to overcome whatever comes our way. 
Now let's notice here, as we go just a little bit further, the Bible tells us also, not only will he abide, Paul cleaned it, God cleaned him up, and he was ready for that filling. Now notice what's going on here. The Bible tells us, not only is he needed in the church as an anointer for the preaching, not only is he needed in the church for miracle workers, for miracles to be worked and for signs and wonders to take place, but church, I want that same spirit dwelling in me when Jesus comes in the clouds of glory. That same spirit that raised Jesus up is gonna take us up one of these days. I want all of God I can get. Preacher, can I have this? Can I have the fullness of God? Anyone that's willing to let God save, clean them up, set their life aside and set it apart. I'm not talking about going into a full-time ministry work. I'm talking about just a vessel of honor unto God that God can use for whatever means he wants to. We are a candidate for his spirit. God can use you. God can raise you up. And no matter what age or what you might have been in the past, God's not looking looking at your past, he forgot that the day he saved you. He forgot that. He don't remember that anymore. The devil remembers it, but God don't. That's in the past. What is he looking? Who is he looking for? He is looking for people that is willing to accept him as he is, to accept his word as it is, and to live like the Word says to live, and God will use you, He'll use me, He'll use whoever is willing to be used of God in these latter days. And surely, and surely, we need that anointing in this present day that we're living in. Notice what it said. He tells us that this same Spirit, the bride, and the Spirit says, Come, my yes, all of that's a thirst said, let them come. Let them come and drink of this water freely. The spirit tonight is for every human believer that will come to God in honesty and come to him in humbleness. Humble down. If we'll prepare the vessel, God will fill it. He's needed in this present day that we're living He's needed in this pleasant day when our nation, when our governments are in such an uproar and an upheaval until it seemed like that nobody knows which way to turn. But you notice something that I have not seen, that I have not heard. Like I said, I don't watch much news because I don't put any confidence in it myself. And now that's me. You'll find I'm just as plain as anybody you'll ever find. But I've noticed this. I don't find any politician that I have heard on the TV. And like I said, I hadn't heard them all, no. I have not heard one of them say what we need to do is seek God and get directions. Right? I remember President Ronald Reagan. I, I saw some excerpts from some of his speeches a while back. He was standing holding a Bible he made two statements that have stuck with me. He said, if America ever reaches a place that they're not one nation under God, they'll cease to be a nation. He made another statement. He said, all the problems that America has 
we can find the answer in this book. Church, aren't you glad the Spirit of God's able to lead us into all truths? Into all truths. We need His Spirit. We need His Spirit. And the day when the enemy is raging on every hand, we need that Spirit to lift up a standard. We need that to turn Him aside. I cannot make it without the Spirit of God. People might brag of what they're going to do and what they're going to tell the devil. I don't have a lot to tell him because I can't overcome him in myself. Oh, but preacher, I can overcome him. You try it. You try it in yourself and see how much you overcome. We're no match for him. The only match we are is the spirit that dwells within us. That the Bible tells us that John said that greater is he. That he that's within us, that's where the victory is. That's where the overcoming is, is in that he, that spirit that dwells within us. Father, I pray tonight, God, that I have been in your will, God, in what is said. And I pray, God, that every heart, every soul that's here has been fed something, Lord, that will be a benefit to them and will help them as they go and fight the good fight of faith. Father, we ask you today, touch every life, touch every heart, Lord. Touch every being that's in this church today, Lord. And may we all seek a closer walk with you. Walk with you, Lord God, in the beauty of holiness and in the grace of your love and mercy. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You'll not leave here like you came in Jesus' name. Bound, afflicted, tormented, sick or lame. For the Holy Ghost of Acts is still the same. You'll not leave here like you came in Jesus' name. Sing it with me tonight. Oh, you'll not leave here like you came in Jesus' name. Bound, oppressed, tormented, sick or lame. For the Holy Ghost of Acts is still the same. You'll not leave here like you came in Jesus' name.